We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so your participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're bringing to you damn good beef. That's so damn good that you can actually get it at the DNVR bar. I was down at the bar all day yesterday for the the football that was happening all day. And uh, I didn't have a chance to have any hassle beef. I got burrito instead, which is probably a bad call in hindsight. Um, But I'm going to go back there today and I'm absolutely getting one of these burgers. I'm getting the Bronco burger because the Broncos won and it is made with blue collar Wagyu beef. Uh, Hassle Cattle Company calls it Wagyu or blue collar Wagyu because it's Wagyu beef that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy, and their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the entire country loves their beef. They take registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows, that gives you a very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com, it's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com, and use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. It's DMVR10 for 10% off. Make sure you get in on that because it is really good beef. Pew, 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 pew. What's up, y'all? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Henry Chisholm here. We've got Jake Schwanitz here. It's Monday morning. The games are fresh in our mind. We had week two college football action, week one NFL Denver Broncos, 1-0, absolutely dominated the New York Giants. How good did it feel to wake up this morning after a victory? I was, you know, my girlfriend's parents are here right now. I was telling them, I was like, it's been such a miserable experience these last couple of years. I almost didn't know how to feel at halftime with Denver, you know, being firmly in control of the game. Yeah, it was great. just feels different, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, we've got some great Monday morning chemistry going with the timing here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It's always fun to watch the Broncos win. At the same time, 
they're in my mind a fringe playoff team, and I had them winning that game by that many points. You know, that's just what happens when you play Don't the Giants. Don't throw cold water on it already. I mean, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. I'm the optimist here. I still think <laughs> that they're probably a playoff team, but I mean, they it's went. What out they there, should they... do against a poor team, right? Exactly. I mean, they got a favorable schedule to start. Very realistic shot to start three and zero. Exactly, and Vaughn did what he always does, even though. People, even around here, were saying, like, oh, he's old. Shut up about that. Spawn Miller is one of the best defenders in the league. Like, what are we doing? Um, but, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, they should have done that. Um, I'm expecting them, like you said, to compete for the playoffs, maybe a seven or six seed. Um, but still, it was just good to see it all in action. Uh, Teddy was awesome. Uh, really, the only negative I think you could take from the game is just the Jerry Judy injury. That really sucked. Um, but thankfully it doesn't seem like it's going to be long-term. So hopefully they get him back in a couple months. Yeah. It was I mean, good a to high see ankle sprain. Well. Yeah, it totally was. Uh, I was just going to say, I think, you know, a high ankle sprain for somebody like Judy, who's so dependent on that lateral movement, that could be definitely season altering, but hopefully not career altering. You know, I think that was the thing when it looked like his ankle snapped in half, man. I was sick to my stomach. Yep. And those skinny little legs. You know, I talked about this and I knocked on wood. This is not my fault, but we talked about this a couple months ago. Oh, no, that was me and Mace. No, that was Dre. Dre was there because Dre said he doesn't have any sort of injury history. And it's like, yeah, that's not the point. I don't care about injury histories. I care about those skinny little legs. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a concern that I have and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it bounces back. But with Teddy, though, honestly, it's just so nice for it to be football season and not this stupid off season where everybody has to – have their own opinion and say, here's what's going to happen. And this is this. And the coaching staff is coaching for their jobs. It's like, shut up. The coaching staff isn't coaching for their jobs. They're trying to go win football games and they're doing what it takes to win football games. And guess what? They went and they won a football game. And that's all that matters. And I don't, I don't give a crap who the quarterback is just go win. And they should be doing exactly what they did this week, the next two weeks. Yeah. That was my big takeaway. I mean, after a, just an off season and training camp full of, just toxicity among the fan base and everything. It was like everyone came back together when the Broncos took the field yesterday, and that was just nice to see. Um, but, yeah, on Jerry Judy, that high uncle sprain, just the way that those injuries work, um, I'd be surprised if he's completely healthy the rest of the year. So, uh, yeah, it just sucks to see. Do you feel like the Broncos' ceiling is higher this season after seeing how Teddy Bridgewater was able to deal against the Giants or – Again, is this just kind of what he was supposed to do? No, I thought it was pretty damn encouraging, honestly. I mean, you heard a lot of uh, skepticism throughout uh, training camp that, you know, check down Teddy, all this stuff. Um, He looked awesome. He looked aggressive. Uh, He was making plays, running around in the pocket. Um, You know, I've been a Teddy fan for a while, and even last year, he was really impressive at times for the Panthers. And I feel like we got the best version of Teddy yesterday. Um, if that continues, this team's going to be really tough to beat. What about sure. you, Hank? I mean, you and I were both kind of on the we want Drew Locke to be the guy train. We think that that elevates Denver's ceiling if, you know, Locke was able to elevate his game to the next level. But, I mean, after seeing that performance, it kind of feels like the coaching staff probably made the right decision. I mean, again, I know it's only one week. I don't want to put too much stock into Week one, it was a really weird week one. There was like eight road teams that won five upsets. I mean, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened, but he looked pretty dang good. 
Yeah. My thing with Drew is like, yeah, it would have been great if he won the job because he's 24. And that's honestly just it. And the fact that he didn't win the job, I don't care. Just go win football games. And I do not care who the quarterback is. They could, they could go wildcat all game if that's what they think gives them the best chance to win. They could sign, I don't know, who, who do people know? Ooh, Colin Kaepernick. People would get upset about that. It'd be toxic. It'd be no fun to be around. And if they wanted to sign him and have a three-way rotation, with, I just, just go win football games. And Teddy did enough to, for me to be happy to see it. Just, just keep winning. I don't care. Just win. Amen. Fair enough. It, uh, one thing that we're going to have to keep our eye on is obviously Bradley Chubb's health didn't play in this one. And then Vic Fangio's comments after the game were a little bit concerning. They were kind of like, we'll hope to get him out there soon, but we'll see. I don't know, man. I, at this point, is it too early to say that that was a failed draft pick just given the, the talent that they could have taken? And it's not necessarily a knock on Chubb's talent, but just how it's played out. I mean, I think it was well criticized at the time, especially when you had, you know, Josh Allen and a couple other guys on the board. Um, but when he's been healthy, man, he's been pretty impactful. Maybe he hasn't been as impactful as you would like a top five pick to be, um, but he's been more than fine. I think he's lived up enough to that draft position. He's going to get signed to a massive extension whenever it's his time, or if he hits free agency, he's going to make a lot of money. Um, it, it's just still... I'm frustrated because still here we are three years into this and we're still only at four games with Vaughn and Chubb on the field at the same time. And I was really looking forward to that week one. And it just sucked that we have to wait another week. Although it was the right move, I think to sit him and just, you know, get his legs back under him for another week. Yeah. And the thing about Bradley Chubb too, is that like, he's a, he's a big, strong guy in the trenches, you know, He's not, he's not Von Miller with the speed and the elusiveness. And he does like have some of that, but just not to that level. When he's at his best, it's because he's pushing guys around. And that just makes me think he's just going to continue to get better throughout his career as he continues to add like grown man adult strength. And I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And I've been excited by what I've seen from him. Um, the injury stuff sucks, but it is what it is. And he'll be back here at some point, I'm sure. Um, and the good news is what you've got the Jags this week. You, you, you shouldn't need Bradley Chubb. You've got, uh, you've got the jets after that really shouldn't need Bradley Chubb. After that is when you need to have him back. And it'd be nice to see him in the next couple of weeks. But when you get the Ravens and you get the Steelers, those back-to-back weeks, that's when you need to have. Him. Were you surprised that. I thought we would see a little bit more Patrick Sertan in that game. Now, it was awesome to see Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller play so well. What were your guys' takeaways on the secondary? Um, Elite, as advertised, honestly. They made life very, very difficult for the Giants. Um, They were making plays on the ball. Um, Obviously, PS2 with that touchdown, um, I mean, I felt like he could have maybe... Play with better leverage along the sideline there, but I'm not going to freak out about it. Um, it'd be nice to see the ninth overall pick a bit more, um, but he, he doesn't have to go out there at the moment and they can just kind of bring him along and have him play situationally or where he's, you know, most needed at this point. Um, that's a W. Um, I'm in no rush to get him on the field for 95, 100% of the snaps right now. Yeah, yeah. I think you just want to work him in, give him some reps. Um 
like uh, like Jake said, you know, overall it was exciting. It should be the best secondary in the league. You don't like seeing Patrick Sertan give up a touchdown. You also don't love uh, seeing uh, Kyle Fuller give up the the long ball down the sideline toward the beginning of the game. Um, Who's that? Was that that was Slayton? I think. And I guess that is kind of the thing with Fuller at this point is he's not he doesn't have like the elite speed. And that's something that you got to pay attention to. And I think that there might be a couple of times that he gets beat deep on stuff like that. Um, but still, he's really good at just about everything else. You've got other guys who are really good at a lot of things. And I think for the most part, you saw all of that. And what they give up? 22 of 37, 267 and a touchdown. I think they're capable of more. But for week one, I'm not going to complain. It's the Giants. It's the Giants. Right. I like that they had active hands. There were quite a few pass breakups. And I like that the tackling was consistent because that's something we haven't seen from Denver cornerbacks. I feel like for a couple of years, just been a lot of business decisions. And then as far as PS2 goes, I wonder if we would have saw more if Ingram would have been playing just because we've already heard that they kind of intend to use him as a tight end neutralizer. And man, they're going to need him because Travis Kelsey went off yesterday against the Browns. Uh, We're going to move on and we're going to rank the Broncos needs, but I just real quick, before we do get into that, I wanted to briefly get your guys' thoughts on how you feel going into this Jacksonville matchup. It looks like a pretty big disaster down there under Urban Meyer. And then before we get into that, even though I wanted to ask you guys this, are we done thinking about Aaron Rodgers after this week one showing? Um, I mean, I'm not going to freak out about all that. I mean, he's on another team um, and he's still Aaron Rodgers to me. I, I fully expect him to bounce back sometime this year. Um, we'll worry about that, I guess, when the offseason rolls around again. Um, you know, they're okay, going to have multiple Vic options. Fangio, that's not a take. No, that I mean, is the take. That is it's the honest. Take. It's honest. I like that Aaron you're Rodgers. not giving me we're a hot take. I'm just giving you crap. Fields. We're none of that stuff. That's offseason talk. This is football season. Right. And that's the thing. Like people still on Twitter yesterday, still talking about Aaron Rodgers and kind of just shitting on him for having a bad game. It's just like, who cares, man? I mean, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm, I mean, more because Teddy Bridgewater played so well, are people going to finally put that, you know, narrative to bed? They should. It should be to bed regardless until January. It is football season, not off season anymore. Even though this is the draft podcast, that's not how this works. And you guys, <laughs> that's how it works. It. That's how it works. Like you're not, I'm not getting baited into Justin Fields stock. Lame, lame, lame. All right, let's <laughs> move on. Let's rank the Broncos' positions in need. Uh, I wasn't sure how many we wanted to go through. I just kind of put like five or six here. But you know, let, should we start with the biggest need, or do you want to work your way down? Um, let's just let's start with the biggest, biggest. need. Yeah, yeah, let's not get yeah. cute. Uh, go ahead, one of you guys. What is the Broncos' biggest position of need after week one? So go ahead, the tough part here is the quarterback situation, and we'll see how it all plays out. There was there was a media member yesterday who will remain nameless, but even if you didn't see the tweet, you know the name. Who said so? Like basically, we now now that we've seen Teddy play a good half, is it time to just sign him to a multi-game extension? Or it's multi-year extension. It's like that's that's not how this works. Like again, it is that is off-season talk. That is not during the season talk. And so we'll see how things play out with Teddy. There is a world in which he is your quarterback going forward. And if he plays like he did yesterday, once you start playing 
you know, real defenses that aren't the New York Giants and, and there aren't duds in there, then yeah, there's nothing wrong with Teddy because, again, I still think quarterbacks peak after 30 and he's still a couple years away from that. And on top of that, he hasn't played all that much. I'm leaving quarterback off my, uh, off my board. I'm going right tackle. I feel that. I'm actually still going to go quarterback just because I think long-term, Fair. it's still the, a big issue. Um, and I know you said that's off-season stuff, but Teddy should be signed. I mean, whether he's the starter or not, he was so good. I mean, if I feel like he's good enough to bring a rookie along um, if they draft someone who isn't quite ready to play week one next year. Or if they really need him in a pinch or in an injury or say, hopefully God knows that the rookie quarterback sucks, um, he could come in and play well. Um, so still, that's why I have it uh, up high. I mean, not a pressing need, I guess, at the moment, um, but just going off how he played yesterday, it was a really great performance by him. But a uh, long-term lookout for the team, quarterback is still number one need. Well, and he's one of the few veteran quarterbacks that you could probably keep around and not have it be a problem where he's the backup. I mean, it wouldn't be a Patriots with Cam Newton situation where you're going to have to he's move on with him because it's going to be yeah. some big distraction. But um, I, I struggled. I, I definitely still have quarterback. I actually had a number two. I like Hank have right tackles and number one need. I, I liked what we saw yesterday from the offensive line as a whole, but you know, you've got a couple of older guys that you've kind of brought in to plug and play. I think at some point you need to find, your Garrett Bowles for the right side of the offensive line. Yeah. And I really do think that at this point, you're, you're, you want to run the football if you're the Broncos, regardless of where this goes next year. Like who knows, maybe Teddy is the next Drew Brees and then you're just flinging the ball around. But unless that happens, even if you're bringing in a rookie quarterback or somebody who isn't him, you're, you're leaning really heavily on that run game. That's your, that's your run tackle. And I, I don't want to say the running game was bad yesterday, but again, it was the Giants, and so you have a little bit higher standards. And if you take away the 70-yard touchdown run from Melvin Gordon, which you can't do because that was a thing that happened, the running game was – I expected more. I, I, I thought that Javante would do better than what was this, 14 for 45, and maybe that's just on him, but I, I do think adding another blocker is, is a, a, a priority. Right. Um, yeah, I would put it as my second need um, after quarterback, the right tackle. Um, only two sacks for the Giants yesterday. So, I mean, a decent enough performance. I don't think, I, just from memory, I don't remember uh, Teddy really being responsible for them. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a need. It's going to be a pretty pressing need. Uh, someone that, I mean, they should spend a top 50 pick, um, whether it's, if it's the first round again, whatever, man. If he's the best player there, spend it on the tackle. Um, but yeah, you need to get another true bookend. Um, yeah, you can't just keep throwing journeymen out there for six, seven, eight years in a row at right tackle. Yeah, I think I like how you said you need to spend a top 50 pick because, you know, if, if you have two of those, then you're probably going quarterback with the first one and right tackle with the next. And if you only have one of those, it's because things went pretty well this season. And maybe, maybe you are happy rolling with Teddy. Um, who has the best quarterback rating in the league after week one and all that kind of stuff. We'll see. It's too early for all that. Um, but uh, there was another thing you said I really liked that I can't remember what it was. Um, so just just keep that in mind. You can uh, – good for morale or something because I can't build on top of it. Oh, oh I remember what it was. Uh, you said the, the sacks were really on Teddy. On top of that, I think that 
there might've been a couple more sacks out there that Teddy got himself out of. Right. Right. Some of which he was still able to, you know, improvise and make plays downfield. That was one of the things that impressed me most was just his escape ability. He may not necessarily be as raw of an athlete as Locke is just given the age difference and what Bridgewater's been through injury wise, but you can tell he can still move a little bit and he's not playing scared, which is encouraging to see considering what he's been through. I think it would be really easy for him to be just gun shy out there, both as a passer and just being willing to move out of the pocket and everything that we saw yesterday. But Hank, uh, you've got right tackle as your first need. I think Jake and I have both given our top two just based on how this conversation played out. What's your second need? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I still don't know what I'm doing with quarterback position. Because um, I feel like if, if quarterback is on this list, it kind of has to be number one. You know, like I don't think there's a world in which quarterback can be your second knee, third knee. I don't know. Right. I guess Justin's <laughs> kind of doing that. But but I'm just going to leave quarterback off this. We're, we're, we're overreacting to yesterday because why not? Um, and then from there... I think I think I go linebacker. Um, here's what I want: it's it's either a safety who can play linebacker in some packages, and then after next year, kind of fills in for Kareem Jackson at safety, or just a linebacker who can be a three-down linebacker and cover, and then you deal with safety at a different time. And so I don't know how, what to call this. We're just going to call this a, a dime linebacker. So Kyle, in whatever Hamilton. way he comes from and whatever else he provides, I don't care. Just one more cover piece in the interior. Um, because even though you look at it and say, yeah, you have two corners, you have Sertan, or I mean, you have more than two corners, but you have your outside guys, you got Sertan on safety, you got another corner floats around. If you did have that one more cover piece right there, nobody is throwing the ball on you. And, and I still think that that's a, a need for this team. Yeah, I'm going to actually go wide receiver with my next one. Um, you know, Jerry Judy goes down. You've got Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick uh, that need to be extended. Um, I'm not saying that you know they need to spend like another first-round pick on a guy. But, you know, look at what the Buffalo Bills did this offseason. They had Stephon Diggs. They had Cole Beasley. They had a rookie in Gabe Davis who played really well, and they still went out and got Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so just being deep at that position after not being deep for so many years, it's just nice to see – and I don't want to see that position become a weakness anytime soon. So uh, maybe it's another second, third round pick. Um, we've seen that you can get guys there that make an impact every year. Um, just to kind of shore up the wide receiver room, because you're going to see now with Jerry Judy out, um, it's going to go back to how it was a couple of years ago, where it's, you know, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton. I mean, you got KJ, um, but you don't really have an impact player outside of those two guys. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go wide receiver. I agree drop from KJ in that one too. Yeah, it's, really? it's, it's, that's a good pick. Um, because I mean, it's basically like, this is the situation next year. If the receiver goes down, except you don't have Patrick and Sutton, mm. one of those guys is going to be gone and I don't know which one. Um, but yeah, that is a good pick because it's, there's a lot of really good receivers in the NFL. And if you aren't going to have depth there, you're going to have issues. Just gut reaction, and again, I know this is more off-season talk. If you had to pick between Patrick and Sutton in terms of moving forward, you might be able to get Patrick on a team-friendly deal compared to what Sutton's probably going to command. Patrick played pretty well yesterday, and he's kind of been just the definition of consistency throughout the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and on top of that, Sutton, with all the tools that he has, 
he gets a big deal and you probably get a comp pick. I don't know if it's going to be the third round comp pick. It's probably going to be fourth, fifth, and who knows, maybe that gets canceled out anyway because the Broncos signed somebody. But there's there's some of the capital you need to to go get a replacement. We're keeping in mind. For sure. And and it just, I mean, it depends on what you want to do with that money. You know, where it, where it stands right now and you have $28 million or whatever, you're rolling over to next year. Like, why not just bring back Corbin Sutton? But you want to go get Aaron Rodgers? Teddy plays himself into a decent contract and you want to add more offense or whatever. Maybe there's a world where you want to cut those costs. Yeah, I'm going to say I'd rather keep Cortland Sutton. Not that Tim Patrick's a bad player. I just think Cortland Sutton's a bit more of a... It, you're going to spend a lot more time trying to find another Cortland Sutton than another Tim Patrick. Um, I know he has a ceiling, the, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I know he only had the one catch yesterday, but it was an incredible diving catch over the middle that, you know, I think it was a third down um, and that kept the drive moving into Giants territory for a big first down. So um, even though the impact wasn't as big yesterday, you know, they're still kind of easing him in. There's just not many guys that big that move like Cortland Sutton does. Um, so I think he's just more important. Um, and he can just be a true number one. We've seen it before. You know what I mean? That's invaluable. Um, yeah, it might be a bit expensive to keep him. Um, but I mean, look at the quarterback situation. They're not going to be, unless they get an Aaron Rodgers or someone like that, they're not going to be spending 30 plus million on a quarterback anytime soon. Uh, use that cap space on impact players. And receivers aren't super expensive. It's not, it's right. not the same as paying top tier pass rusher money. You know, you probably keep it around depending on how this season goes, unless he really puts up incredible numbers, it's like 15 million a year, 16 million a year. Um, I was going to say 14 to 16. So we're right around the same exact thinking. And if they have to reset the receiver market, that's like 20 million a year. And he needs to play well for that to happen. Well put my third need was quarterback, but I've already given my takes on that. So I'll just kind of move on. And I think they could use a, a defensive tackle I like, you know, that they brought Shelby Harris back and I think they have some guys that could pan out there, but it would just be nice to boost the depth and especially just get somebody that can, you know, defend the run well and just fill some gaps and and be a little disruptive because you know you have the talent on the outside. Yeah, I would probably say my next one is defensive line or edge. Um, Even with Vaughn, you know, coming back and looking like his old self, uh, his future still kind of up in the air, and you just really want to build depth up through that uh, position. Um, you know, having a impactful defensive line, if you can rush four and blitz situationally, I mean, that just opens up the defense for so much more. Yeah, and on top of that, I'm pretty sure uh, what Shelby played like 66% of the snaps last or in, the, in this game. I think Draymond was next most with 50% among the defensive linemen. You just need a lot of guys there. And sure, like those guys are going to be out there on those third downs, but that's what makes this a really good third need, which is where I have it too. Um, just, just something in the trenches, whether it is edge, whether it is um, on the defensive line, a lot of those guys get in. And so you just got to keep the cupboard full. And sometimes you get one that pops like Draymond. And if you get enough of those who pop, then you don't need to go hunting for a starter, go hunting for your third down important guy. Um, so yeah, I agree. Offensive trenches, one for me, some one more linebacker, somebody who can cover from that spot, and then defensive trenches. What's your fourth need, Hank? Um, either either safety or linebacker, whichever one. I mean, let's let's just call it linebacker number two uh, because I really hate doing that because I thought the linebackers played well, 
but let's just call that linebacker. We'll go number four safety. It's exciting to have Stearns. It's exciting to have Jamar Johnson, but Kareem Jackson is going to be gone here at some point, um, maybe after the season even, and you need a starter there. And it sucked to have a, a, a low-end starting safety when you know that regardless of how things play out with the corner contracts, you're going to have a bunch of really nice pieces in that secondary. Yeah, um, it's definitely a need. Um, I would actually put a running back um, after that, even though Melvin Gordon was fantastic yesterday. Um, you know, from what we saw, I don't think Javante Williams is really ready to carry the load himself. Um, and so you're going to have to add another piece regardless, unless you sign Melvin Gordon again to five to six, seven million a year, which I hope they don't do just because that's a lot of money. Um, but I think they need another kind of one, a one B type back, um, maybe someone with more receiving ability to, um, I think it just speaks to the depth of this team overall though. I mean, we can, it's a, it's a need, but it's not like a pressing need. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, they can go a variety of ways. That's why my fifth need is punter. You know, it's kind of a luxury <laughs> pick, but you know, I, I get to watch Ryan Stonehouse every week at Colorado state. He had an 81 yard punt Saturday night, 79 yards net. The dude is a freak. And when I watch him and then I watch the Broncos on Sunday, the difference in hang time and just general the way that the ball booms off Stonehouse's foot is just like, this dude is a weapon. His ability to flip the field, he's incredibly accurate as well. I know I'm being a little bit of a homer there, hyping my guy up, but he is legitimately the best punter in the nation yeah. currently. The all-time leading average or punter in terms of average past Todd Sauerbrunn out of West Virginia, a guy who had a very successful NFL career, including a stint in Denver. Hank, do you have any more needs or Jake, anything else you want to throw out before we start talking about week two in college football? I'll throw um, on that. I like the, the running back pick. And my caveat is like, I wouldn't mind seeing Melvin Gordon stick around even for what I, I think what his average salary right now is $8 million. That's a lot. But last year he was top 10 in yards. He was doing that efficiently he also fumbled and there was some other stuff going on, but then to watch him break that big one yesterday, he's a good running back. And I do think that there's a chance that if the Broncos do make the playoffs, Melvin Gordon can be that playoff running back that every team needs that you just lean on, give him the ball and he go get, goes and gets yards. And that's definitely projecting a little bit. Um, but to me, it comes down to Javante. If, if Javante shows you enough to say that he is our number one, then you can let Melvin Gordon walk. But I do think that Melvin Gordon wants to be a Bronco I think that he fits well with the Broncos. When you have – you need two running backs. You have one that's cost-controlled right now. I wouldn't mind seeing him come back, but if if things play out that way um, – and who knows, maybe you go get Aaron Rodgers and you keep Vaughn, and so you're safe, you don't have as much money to throw around, then, yeah, running back is absolutely a need. On that, um, I actually stumbled across some Melvin Gordon Wisconsin highlights last night. And man, if he just didn't fumble the ball, I would love him so much more. Um, that's just my issue with him. And then one uh, one more thing real quick to Justin's punting point. It did kind of hurt to see Riley Dixon on the other side for the Giants actually kind of playing well. Um, you know, Sam Martin was brought in to kind of replace him. And I don't think he's really done as well since. I know. Wow. Maybe, maybe that's a Broncos fan should have been riding over a couple of years ago. The coaching staff <laughs> coaching for their jobs and not trying to develop guys should have kept the punter around and started replacing them. What did they get for him? Was it a seventh rounder? 
Uh, yeah, something man, like that. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I mean, all things considered, I still don't hate how that played out because he just wasn't impressive early on in Denver. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh-huh. Remember everybody talking about how like one of one of the biggest points of his value is that he he's such a good fake punter. Yeah. He's got such a great arm for punter. It's like I don't. At this point, the fact that I bought into that just makes me feel so dumb. And that was a legitimate thing on the scouting yeah. report, though. He had some plays at Syracuse where it was like, this guy is like an actual football player. He's not yeah, just he can a move too. A punter. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> just give me somebody who can punt the ball really far. My goodness. <laughs> on a Tim Tebow type punter, somebody who's just going to stiff arm you and go hard. <laughs> um, sure, you're giving up five yards per punt, but twice a season your odds of converting go from 40% to 60% on base punts. <laughs> yeah, the opposite cool. of the Browns punt yesterday, right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, How do you I blow that game, Cleveland? That game. I, I got, like, a free bet. We don't need to get into the details because this is a DraftKings podcast. But I had, like, a, a cr- I've never had as much money on a game before because I've parlayed the Broncos spread with the Chiefs spread. Them going for two and not getting to five and getting me that push, that was just, it was heartbreaking, honestly. And uh, it was life changing, to be honest. <laughs> well, speaking of draft, out, I stayed away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too, honestly. But speaking of draft games. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $1 on any football game this week. Receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they place a $1 bet on any football game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That promo code DNVR to get your $200 in free bets instantly this week only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had a bunch of our listeners switch over. We've had a bunch of our coworkers also head out there. We've heard nothing but good things. Um, it's a, it's a family owned dentistry. They, they are based in Lakewood, 15 minutes away from downtown Denver, They're huge Colorado sports fans, which is why they advertise through us. Um, because they listen to these podcasts too, because, uh, they're like really cool, fun people. And because they support us and because they're a part of the community, we want to make sure that we emphasize how much we really think that you should go out there. Um, again, we've heard nothing but good reviews. They really care about their patients. It's not one of these big chain dentistries where it, they, they clock in, they clock out. They actually care. They've got a, a, a name that they want to, uh, you know, make. Uh, what is that word? They, they want to do right by people is the point. Um, but yeah, if you head down to a Green Mountain Dental Group, you can get a cleaning x-ray and exam and pick up a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's a great deal from Green Mountain Dental get a cleaning x-ray exam. They'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. Definitely head out there and uh, we really recommend them. Hank, do you want to get out your anti-Cleveland takes before we talk about week two college football? Sure. Yeah. Um, They didn't beat anybody last year. 
That's that's the take. And I get like there's a lot to like, and I think they added some nice pieces. But let's just slow down a little bit. You know, there's there's some good teams in that division. Um, I, I I didn't bet on them to not make the playoffs, but I'm kind of tempted to. But you look through, and it's just like they beat the Steelers twice, but that was after the Steelers really sucked. That was their last two games of the season. Um, and uh, other than that, they beat the Colts. The Colts were another team where I was like, yeah, they're good. But that, And then other than that, there's literally nobody. They just kind of slept, walked, sleepwalked to a 11-5 and five record. So that's, that's when I'm just pumping the brakes on a little bit, especially seeing the, the Steelers do what they did yesterday. I like it. Baker looked really good, though. He looked awesome. Baker did look good. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's talk week two of college football. It was a fun weekend, a lot of upsets. We had two top 10 teams go down in Iowa State and Ohio State. I imagine Hank made some money on that Oregon upset. I was super pissed at myself for not putting money on that plus 500 money line. And you could tell right out of the gate, Oregon just looked like the more impressive team all around. They played better in the trenches. They were more consistent when they needed to be. They were great in the red zone. And their defense, man, really stepped it up, especially when they needed it most. Is Oregon for real? I think so. I, I've thought so this whole time. I made pretty clear what I think about the Pac-12. It's kind of Oregon and then everybody else. And uh, we that's what we saw, is that they went out there and they belonged playing against Ohio State. And on Ohio State, also we should probably know, they were without their two best defenders. They didn't have Justin Flo. They didn't have Kayvon Thibodeau. And they still were able to get that done. Um, but on Ohio State, though, I think Justin Fields kind of covered up for a lot. I think I, I bought into this, too. But but Ohio State isn't just, like, dominant. Nobody's just dominant because they're dominant. You could kind of just look back and see why they were successful. They had Justin Fields. And then they had, like, the running game at the time. And before Justin Fields, they had Ezekiel Elliott, who's just a monster. And right now, yeah, they have those two receivers – but they still just don't have that piece in the backfield that is going to kind of make everything click for them. And I'm, 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 out, I'm out on Ohio State. I'm out on Ohio State. Well, I want to give Oregon a bunch of credit. And I do think that you know they're, they're fourth right now. I think that that's probably where they should be. And I think that there's a real chance that they can make the college football playoff. Ohio State, let's, let's see what happens here. Because maybe this win isn't as big as we, we, we think it is today. Yeah, all great points. Um, I think immediately that 99-yard uh, touchdown drive in the first quarter, that was kind of just like, whoa. Um, it's a statement. I don't, I, yeah, I did not expect that. I don't think many people expected that. But after I saw that, I kind of knew that this was going to be a real game. Um, they also had an 84-yard touchdown drive and a 75-yard touchdown drive. That's just the Ohio State defense. We talked about this last year. It's just not really that good. Um, you can run on this team. Uh, you know, Brown didn't really have to do much through the air. Um, he did have a solid game, didn't turn the ball over. Um, but it was CJ Verdell just kind of putting the ducks on his back and just really carrying them. Um, that's what I was more impressed by. And again, what like what Hank said, without Oregon's two two of their best defensive players, uh, because Noah uh, Sewell was out of his mind in that game. Um, yeah. But yeah, just super impressive showing without two of your best players on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, CJ Stroud, man, uh, it's a good thing he's a true freshman because he's got a long way to go. Um, also, what the hell happened to Master Teague for Ohio State? I thought he was really good last year, and I don't know if I've actually seen him carry the ball once in the past two weeks. So, just weird. 
weird situation. I was out on Ohio State coming in. I mean, I had Wisconsin as my preseason playoff pick, and that's not proving to look great. But my skepticism of Ohio State is, I think Iowa might be the team to beat in the Big Ten. They just, that defense is so stout and offensively, they're explosive enough. I still think their passing game leaves a, it just leaves a little bit to be desired. But I mean, to go on the road in a tense situation against Iowa State and just kind of control for four quarters, that's a statement win. And I mean, Iowa's got a pretty favorable schedule with how it all plays out. They could be the team out of the Big Ten this year. They could be. They could be. And, you know, I, I just can't buy in on Iowa yet because, like, Iowa State was my pick to be the disappointing team. And who who else did they beat? In Indiana or yeah, Indiana. And that's another team where it's like they're good, but they're not that top tier. At the same time, honestly, it's kind of like how I feel about UCLA at this point, where it's like, yes, you've played really well, you've beaten good teams. Just need a little bit more before I buy in. At the same time, though, when you look at the Big Ten, I don't think I pick anybody other than Iowa to come out of it right now. That's kind of where I'm at. Again, I think they have some flaws. It's just when we've, from what we've seen, you know, Minnesota without Ibrahim, Penn State's shaky, Wisconsin's offense is really whack right now. Ohio State looks flawed. It's just like, well, they're probably the most complete team, at least at this point of the season. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive to jump on this Iowa bandwagon. I think this game, I mean, I want to give them credit. It was a dominant defensive performance, but I think Iowa State really lost this game. Uh, Brock Purdy got benched. Uh, he had three interceptions. Brees Hall had lost a fumble also. Uh, so those four turnovers, I mean, they were deep in Iowa territory too. So it was just short drives uh, for Iowa to really cover the field and uh, move the ball into the end zone. I mean, rushing attack wise, they averaged 1.7 yards per ground or per carry on the ground. Uh, Spencer Petrus for Ohio, for Iowa was 11 to 21, 106 yards. Um, so he was offensively, brutal in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, offensively, I'm pretty worried about them. I don't know if they have the firepower to win the Big Ten. Um, but if they're going to get into these slobber knocker type games, you know, where it's just dependent on turnovers, uh, field position, who can, you know, get the most defensive stops. I do like them in that scenario, but I still worry about how explosive they are. I'm just not impressed by any of the quarterbacks in the big 10. And with what I've seen out of that defense, I think they're going to be good enough to at least keep Iowa competitive. And if it's, you know, like you said, a grinded out type game, that's going to favor them. I'll, I'll say this too. I don't think the Big Ten gets a team in the playoff. Ooh. That's, I mean, I mean, that's not a hot take at this point, I don't think, from what we've seen. Yeah, because, I mean, I, Ohio State would have to win out. And yeah, yeah. outside of that, eh. I, a fair I, point. So who, who hasn't lost? You've got Purdue, you've got Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan, Maryland, Penn State. And out of those, Penn State at least has, like, the history. I don't think they have the talent this year to do it. Um, Michigan, again, I'm – you know, no. I'm sorry, Jake. But, <laughs> no, but I'm betting against them all the way through until they actually make the playoff. And then outside of that, who else even is it? Iowa. It's Iowa. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you there. I don't – I wanted to get into Wisconsin before the season, but Graham Nurtz really scared me away against that game against Penn State. Um, Penn State, 
I'm not seeing anything dominant from them. I'm, uh, they're going to str- or they're going to stumble somewhere down the line, I think. Um, and then Michigan, I'm, if you can't pass the ball, there's no way you're winning the Big Ten even in 2021. So, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. <laughs> All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about Alabama and Georgia, the SEC, a little bit. Alabama obviously has a big game coming up against Florida, and we'll dive into that in a little bit. But these two teams, at least from what we've seen, and maybe you can throw Oregon into that conversation after going on the road in Ohio State. I know we're skeptical of of Ohio State, but I think going to the horseshoe and, and winning the way they did deserves high praise. It feels like Alabama and Georgia are a pretty significant step above the rest of the, the country in terms of talent this year. Obviously, we have a lot of questions about Clemson's offensive line, especially how they're going to hold up in those in those bigger games. I still think Clemson probably wins 10-11 games, but I don't know. Where are you guys at with these two, and is it kind of their their championship to lose at this point? I mean, yeah. Alabama is just Alabama, dude. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, Hank. It's Alabama that it's their championship to lose, and then it's Georgia with, like, next up to win it. And then after that, I think what I think it's probably Clemson and Oregon kind of tied with Clemson. You just need them to, to show a little bit more than they have, and they have the track record and I think enough talent to, to say that they can absolutely do that. And then Oregon, oh, I mean, kind of similar, honestly. You have the you have the young quarterback who just needs to keep developing throughout the season, and they have kind of the rest of the pieces, honestly. Kicking myself um, for not getting that preseason Bryce Young for Heisman. Yeah. Bet I and I, I went with yeah. DJ thinking like, you're a Bama guy, you know, bet with logic, not your heart. And uh, I'm just a terrible sports better. I'm just going to throw that out there. I give out <laughs> picks all the time that win, but somehow I'll always parlay them in a way that doesn't hit. Like this weekend, I had a six leg parlay and fucking Colorado State losing to Vanderbilt killed it and cost me about three hundred dollars i i was so mad i was, that was so a tough mad game i was i was watching that one with eric at the bar and that that first half where you're saying like oh dude it looks like csu has like 11 derrick henry's out there like every time one gets the ball there's like breaking three tackles and we're just having fun like making fun of vanderbilt and it's like i think is arizona or vanderbilt worse they're like it has to be vanderbilt it has to be vanderbilt it's like well i don't know arizona really sucks and then you see how that game plays out and you're just like how one coaching staff adjusted one coaching staff didn't and uh, yeah csu lost the game despite being more talented i'll obviously talk about that play on the rams pod and not a lot of draft implication in that other than trey mcbride had his second straight 100 yard performance dude's He's an animal dude's an absolute animal but um I don't, we don't need to ramble on about alabama and georgia everybody knows how good they are i will say georgia's defense worries me even i i I'm not sure they're going to have the firepower to keep up with Alabama when it's all said and done, but I do think they have the guys that could potentially rattle a young quarterback like Bryce Young in a big game. He's been up for the moment so far, but I mean, it's Miami and it's, you know, Mercer or whatever. And that's just not a, not a strong sample size in terms of the defense that he's gone up against. What Um, game do you guys want to talk about next? Well, can I just, let me just piggyback off that real quick um, on Georgia. Um, I kind of hear your concerns with the defense, but I think it's much improved still from last year. You know, last year we talked about it multiple times on the show. We didn't really see like a dominant college football defense. Um, we were still really struggling. Like in, I know it was a messed up season, but we were struggling into November and December to really crown a team as the best defense in college football. 
But I think this Georgia team is working towards that. I know it was UAB, um, but it was a dominant defensive show. And they were up by like 30 points in the first quarter or something ridiculous um, just because UAB couldn't do anything. Um, again, it's UAB, but this team's got some impact players on defense. And I think they're really going to grow throughout the year. And is it enough to stop Bama? I don't know, but um, I'm excited for them. You know, it's going to be the defense carrying the Georgia uh, Bulldogs again this year. Texas, guys. What's the deal? Oh, I thought, I mean, they looked so good week one. They looked like a shell of themselves in week two. They got dismantled by a pretty meh Arkansas team. We really overthought that one on this yeah. podcast. Yeah, we did. We we, did. I mean, we all said, oh, it's Texas. They won't fall apart this early. And it's like, why not? Why, why wouldn't they? It's like, oh, they have Sarkeesian. It's like, yeah. He's exciting. It's his second game there. They could absolutely fall apart. And they did fall apart. And luckily, I didn't bet the other side of that. But it's Arkansas. And, and I mean, obviously, your brain immediately goes to that's an SEC team. And Texas is about to be an SEC team. And on top of that, Texas is about to be one of the three worst SEC teams once they get over there. It's just how this is going to shake out. Thank, thank goodness they'll get to play Vanderbilt. <laughs> horns down, gents. Horns down. How yeah, many yeah. energy putting the horns down? Just like go, go be sad in your corner, Texas. You're losers. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty pathetic. I'm I'm really upset at myself for buying in on Texas so early I am because too. I love hating on Texas, and usually betting against Texas in September is like one of my things. And I just completely threw that out the window because they beat a. Uh, they were ranked at the time, but they're not a very good Louisiana team. Um, they, Texas just has issues, man. They've got playmakers, but the quarterback situation is not good at all. Um, defensively, it was really concerning. They allowed 333 yards on the ground. Um, it was just domination by Arkansas. Um, and I think it wasn't even close. Texas didn't score until the second half um, when they were down 16-7. Uh, it was just, that was ugly. Welcome to the SEC, Texas. Welcome to the SEC. I wish I could talk about the Notre Dame game more, especially because it was against Toledo, who's CSU's next opponent, but that game was on Peacock, so I did not get to watch much of it. I found a couple of janky streams that kicked me out a couple of times, and then I just kind of gave up. I mean, we had some concerns about Notre Dame's offense, I think they're probably valid after this one. I mean, Toledo's a good team. They're probably going to win the MAC. They're very experienced on both sides of the football. Like they're going to be a tough opponent for just about everyone. But not convincing if you're Notre Dame. That's for sure. This is yeah, going to be one of those years where it'd be nice to have a 12 team playoff because it's like right. sure Bama and Georgia are in front of the others, but I don't know. Maybe Clemson and Oregon really are this good, and you're like, okay, there's the four. Otherwise, I really do think that there's going to be a bunch of teams, Notre Dame among them, where they aren't going to be in that top four, but having them around number 12, and it'd be fun. It'd be fun. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm going to let Jake talk about this because I know he wants to talk about the Notre Dame game too still. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm really intrigued by Cincinnati this year, and they have a really big game coming up this weekend that they need to win. But if there was ever a shot for a G5 team to get, you know, beat a couple of power five teams, you know, maybe go undefeated and sneak in as that four seed. It could be this year, especially if a lot of these teams in the big, uh, the big 10 and and PAC 12 kind of cannibalize each other. But Jake, go ahead and talk about the Notre Dame game. I did not mean to interrupt you there, buddy. No, you're good. Um, Yeah. 
last year they were just a solid team. Um, probably outside of Bama, I think the most complete team in college football. Um, and there's still like remnants of that. I mean, Kyron Williams played well. Jack Cohn had an okay game. He wasn't as good as he was in week one. Um, but this team was trailing at halftime, man. It was 16-14 at half. They really needed a, a – I, I didn't watch much of the game either because of where it was being shown. Um, but they had a big fourth quarter to come away and beat Toledo by three points at home. Um, and we talked about it last week. This team's got a hell of a stretch coming up. Um, they don't have a slouch this week either. They play Purdue, who's a solid team. So it's going to get real tough for Notre Dame. I would be very surprised if they hold on to this top 10 rating for much more than a month at this point. Yeah. Hank, how high are we on Colorado after what should have been an upset over the number five team in the country? Again, let me throw this out here. Um, I've said oftentimes that CU not scheduling CSU was a mistake because of the local interest. I still feel that way that it's the most important games in terms of local interest for the state of college football. But I'll say I was wrong because they competed against Texas A&M. They should have won. They should have won. They were better in the trenches. They had that quarterback completely shook. I know it, he's a backup, but it wasn't like he was a freshman or anything. The dude was a upperclassman. It was a, and, it was a close quarterback competition during the fall. And he obviously and, lost. And, but the Buffs, I mean, they just they completely outclassed Texas A&M for basically that entire game. A&M... Maybe CU got a little bit tired late in that fourth quarter because they kind of wore them down a little bit, and that's kind of how they were able to mount those drives, in my opinion. But the buffs are legit. Credit where credit is due. Carl Durrell is a phenomenal coach, and uh, I really I, I respect what he's building in Boulder right now. Yeah, I think, and I, I obviously haven't spent enough time around college football here to know for sure. I'm curious what you think, Justin, because like I do agree that like for the the sport of college football in Colorado having the Rocky Mountain Showdown is a big game, but in the what's grand scheme, best for CU is not necessarily what's best for the state of college football in Colorado. You know, for like sure. the casual fans, they've sold seventy thousand plus tickets to I think like the last True. six Rocky Mountain Showdowns. That's significantly more than they sold for this CU A and M game. But yeah. that also makes sense because you have fan bases from both schools there locally. So, you know, that's kind of a flawed that's argument true. in some ways as well. And the attendance wound up being just under 62,000. So it's Which not like good. it was like small. It's not bad. But my yeah. question is like that game versus bringing in a top five team in the country. Like, I don't know. Like, is that better for college football just for to like, to like, Hey, look, we, <laughs> we have relevant college football for a weekend instead of like a game that, the fan bases here care about, you know, it's, it's That's a weird a argument. Dynamic. I get it on a national level. This is probably better for CU because you have more people tuned for in. CU, yeah. My only beef with it, with it, that game should have been played in Boulder. I know Absolutely. that technically you would have sold less tickets, but you're catering to Texas A&M by playing it in Denver. They had a ton for of sure. fans there. I don't understand that decision, you know, unless it's just a cash grab, which in some ways it kind of so, is. You probably didn't expect to compete quite that well. If you're just being a hundred percent honest. So but it, it was, was supposed it was supposed to be a home and home with the game at Texas A&M last year. And so instead of rescheduling that game to some other time, they said let's make it a neutral site and okay. we'll give you I think they paid A&M 1.2 million and then kept whatever they could earn and selling those sweet tickets are uh, those are worth a lot more than any ticket at Folsom which is 
Um, it sucks and everybody hates it. And all the CU fans are really pissed off. And I think that it did play in AM's hands a little bit, but I don't know. It is what it is. And the pandemic after effects aren't, they aren't going to last forever. We'll move past it eventually. But yeah, um, in terms of the game though, like, yeah, Colorado, I mean, they, they beat them in the trenches. And that was kind of the big thing. They, I mean, you look through, we've talked about Isaiah Spiller and he's had, he had three games since the start of last season where he hasn't gone for a hundred yards. And, but there's one for 50, one for 80. Um, Bama held him to 11 carries for 20 yards. And I know it was 11 for 25 last year and the Buffs got him to eight for 20. And there's just a lot to really like at the same time. Quarterback play needs to keep improving because they didn't score in the last like 50, 55 minutes of that game, something like that. Nice change. And they got deep into territory. There were the back to back QB sneaks that got stuffed at the five that turned into a turnover on downs. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't a win. But to know that you can hang with a team like that, I mean, the big takeaway is that they can beat anybody in the Pac 12, except maybe Oregon. And we just, it's just too early to say one way or the other on that one. But USC, Utah, those are the two toughest games on the schedule this year outside of Oregon. And Colorado can compete for the Pac-12. So that's exciting. Were you about a letdown at all coming with this Minnesota game, which is after how you play against Texas A&M, you should feel pretty good. But obviously we did see this Minnesota team go toe-to-toe with Ohio State, who might be overrated. So, you know, tough to say, but I kind of feels like a letdown opportunity. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I go the other way. I think this is one where... Like, after that game, everybody was just so pissed off. Like, everybody who we talked to was just like, how did we let this one slip through our hands? That's unacceptable. And I think that this is one where they come out and it's more of like a a beat down where they say, we we just went toe-to-toe with Texas A&M and we are not starting one and two this season. With the one you add on A&M? What? Um, Oh, yeah. To a certain degree, I mean... It sucks with the quarterback situation. I mean, we talked about it going into the season. I think this was one of the most important positions in all of college football just because it could really dictate this team's season. And, I mean, he wasn't anything special last week, but if Haynes King is out and they got to run with Calzada, um, I really doubt AM's ability to make it out of the SEC and make the playoff. Um, you know, Spiller, he was all right. Obviously, nothing much going on the ground, but I was just impressed with by him in the receiving game. That was something we didn't really see from him last year. Um, so it was just nice to see that growth in his game. Would like to see him get back to his dominant ways on the ground, though. I still think he has it in him. Um, on Colorado, though, that was just an impressive defensive performance overall. Um, and I think outside of Oregon, they might have the best defense in the Pac-12. Um, and they're going to make things really tough, you know, when they play Oregon, when they play UCLA. Um, I do think this team is still in the mix for the Pac-12 title. Um you know, a lot's going to happen leading up to then, but even USC a couple games away, um, we could talk about them later if you want, because they were just sure. completely terrible. Um, and Clay, Hel- Clay Helton may not have his job by the time uh, Colorado and USC play. Yeah. Um, the other note is that the Buffs running game in the first half was so good. And in the second half, they didn't give Jared Broussard the ball once because he got that. I mean, it was a bad pass from, uh, from uh, uh, Brendan Lewis just didn't see a defender, a safety just flying down from 15 yards away. There was a little swing pass to Jarek and he just takes one in the knees 
And again, that's, that's a freshman quarterback for you. And that's the stuff that needs to be cleaned up. I think it's easy to look at the, the other things where it's like, okay, maybe read things a little bit quickly, go a little bit more quickly from the, the pocket. Um, but also there's just some of those other things where it's like, you can't, you can't put your running back in that situation. And so that sucks. And who knows what happens if, if they have that running back the rest of the way. But my thing is like, if you're able to hold that AM offense to what they did, you're, you're going to be able to stop the run against just about anybody in the Pac-12. The corners look really good. The quarterbacks at AM are not Kellen Mond anymore. And I don't think that, I think they stuck at number five in the country. This isn't a top five team in the country. And I don't want to be the Buffs guy saying like, yeah, they're, they're like number 15 in Colorado lost by three. And that doesn't feel nearly as good, but that's what I saw. Um, but the Buffs should be able to run on anybody in the Pac-12, except for maybe Oregon. And, and that's kind of the thing with about the Pac-12 is you just keep saying, except for maybe Oregon. Do you want to give some USC takes real quick before we talk about the Florida State disaster and then move on to previewing week three? Yeah, I mean, they don't have a defense. I think that's what we saw. And it was, that's that's Stanford's thing is that they want to line up in 12 personnel and they were able to to push those speedy defenders around because it's at the end of the day, it's football, not basketball. And there's a lot of teams that are trying to build basketball teams. Um, and then they were getting picked apart in the passing game too. Uh, that, that defense isn't there. The offense was solid. Um, but they don't really have a number two receiver outside of Drake London at this point. Um, yeah, USC, I mean, USC, this, what we know that they're going to blow a couple of games that they have the talent advantage in. There was the first one and it's not going to be the last. Yeah. Um, just rough for Clay Helton, man. I mean, I don't think that was a very impressive hire when it did happen and he's really struggled the past few years. I think it's all coming to a head. I actually retweeted a Keyshawn Johnson tweet, of course, USC alum. Um, they're all getting restless there. And, you know, it begs the question, how much longer? I mean, it's not about hitting the end of the season for Clay Helton at this point. I think it's how much longer uh, does he go into the season? Because it's. I think it's now a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be the head coach next year, um, unless there's some spectacular turnaround, I think. Um, but if he's got another bad loss like this, I mean, you got Washington State next week, man. If you cannot beat this Washington State team or if it's a close game, um, who knows who's the head coach when they play Colorado in a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, just sucks to see another, you know, this program should be up there winning games. They should be competing with Oregon, with UCLA, with Colorado right now, and it's just not happening. Yeah. Well, to and be now, fair, they still never lost to Colorado, but. That is true. Well, true. That, that is true. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think Colorado's ever been as confident as they are this time around. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's there. I mean, there was a report, there was a reporter who said that like, I'm told by a source that the USC is firing Clay Helton. And that was at the end of the season, two years ago and nothing has gotten better. Everybody would thought that that was for real because it just made sense at the time. He, he, he might not, he doesn't have to win out but he's got to get pretty close to it. Like you said, they've got Washington state this week. They lose that one. He's done. They've got Oregon state the next week. You lose that one. He's done. Uh, after that, you've got Colorado. I don't know that he's done after that one, but if things had gone differently in that A&M game, he would have been done. And so after that, you've got Utah, USC, Arizona is another one where it could be it. 
he's got to survive these next two weeks, though. Um, they're big games. Rolovich and Helton probably both coaching for their jobs. Yeah, I honestly think it's too late for both of them. I think it is too. What's the Just deal situation at this point? Florida State. Yikes. I don't know if I've ever seen a Hail Mary so poorly defended. I mean, that's worse than Raheem Moore. They let him run past him after catching it. The dude ran past three dudes. Mm-hmm. And it, they don't tackle. I feel like there's just a lot. And that's, that's another one that you kind of put in that, like, trying to play basketball type of box. Just like, who is going to go out there and punish somebody and stop the run and do those sorts of things? And, and I don't know. Just, just a terrible performance. And I think people were kind of bought in on that team after what they did against Notre Dame, that comeback. And no, nope, irrelevant. Still Florida State. Um, I mean, Willie Taggart wasn't a good coach for Florida State, but he never lost to an FC, uh, FCS school. Um, yeah. This program, I mean, we were kind of hyping him up last week after the nice performance to get Notre Dame, but it feels like we're just right back to where we were last year, man. Uh, this program is just a mess again. Um, they were nice on the ground again. Uh, Sean Corbin was he had another nice performance. He's someone that might be the only bright spot for this team. Um, but, you know, Mackenzie Milton wasn't great defensively. It was embarrassing. And you just let an FCS team literally steal one out from under you at home. It's it's wonder what that's like. Tough. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, not a good performance. Not a good performance at all. All right, let's talk about week three. Before we do, though, do you ever shave your balls and it ends up being as bloody as a Nate Diaz fight? Well, good news, because today's episode is sponsored by the official electric trimmer of the UFC, Manscaped. They just released their fourth-generation performance package. Fellas, get your black belt and ball trimming and join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code DNVR. The Performance Package 4.0 is a complete upgrade for your male hygiene routine. You're going to get the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, a Weed Whacker, which is for your nose and ear hairs, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, which is a nice little toner for when you're feeling a little swampy. Plus, you're going to get some really awesome Performance Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag, which I love. Super convenient. The champion of this package is obviously the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, the pound-for-pound greatest ball trimmer in the world. It's the fourth generation, and it has a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It has a 7,000 RPM motor. It's got a 4K LED spotlight. It's waterproof. It is literally perfect. You can use it for your face if you have to. You can use it anywhere on your body. It is just the most effective ball trimmer on the market. So shout out to Manscaped and make sure you use that code DNVR. You're going to save 20%. You're going to get free shipping. It's going to be super clutch. Check them out. We love them. We know you will too. All right, let's talk college football. That That's a really gross image, by the way. If your balls are as bloody as Nate Diaz, you should probably go to the hospital before you, and then hit up Manscaped and then figure it out. But if that is the case, seek medical attention. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get that image out of my head the entire time yeah. I was doing that read. I was just like, that's gross. All right, let's talk uh, <laughs> week three college football. Got some fun games. Not a phenomenal week in terms of draft implications. So I think that's why we spent a little bit more time going over last week. But there are some big ones. And I think the biggest game is obviously Alabama versus Florida. And this is going to be a big test for Florida. And 
how they're able to kind of try and contain this explosive Alabama offense because, man, does Bama look dangerous. Yeah, I haven't actually dug into Florida too much yet, but um, the line I saw yesterday, just, you know, kind of looking ahead to next weekend, it was at 15 for Alabama. It's already moved to 15 and a half, so this line is on the move. Um, and I think that that's probably the way that this game is going to trend in. Um, Florida's got a bit of a, co- a quarterback controversy. Um, of course, Emory Jones is like the incumbent there. He played a little bit last year. Um, but let me get the name real quick. Uh, Anthony Richardson is a guy that a lot of people are hyping up. He was three for three, 152 yards, two touchdowns. Um, that's efficiency, man. Uh, so who knows who's playing quarterback, but it's two rather ex- un- inexperienced guys. Um, if I had to go on a side, I'm going to take Alabama by, I don't care what the number is. Right now, 15 and a half exactly. on DraftKings Sportsbook. N- not even in the swamp, no concerns about this saving offense getting slowed down at all? Not Alabama. at all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> not I, enough, I think that was pretty simple. Yeah. It's it's a shame though that like is this the only ranked matchup this week? Oh, there's you got um, two others, but yeah, eh, gross. Like this is not going to be a game. I agree. Um, what else we got? We have Cincinnati at Indiana, and if Indiana loses this one, I mean, basically just fold up the tent. It's unfortunately there were some potential exciting storylines with Fry Fogel and all that, but it just. Panics. It just hasn't really played out. But no. this is an opportunity for Cincinnati to pick up a road win against a Big Ten team, regardless of how good Indiana ends up being. And again, we talked about it. Outside of those top two teams, there's a lot of question marks in terms of who's going to be an 11-12 win team when it's all said and done at the regular season. This could be an opportunity for Cincinnati to at least you know have that Big Ten win on their resume if it's close. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Hank. Yeah, I mean, I think that Cincinnati does get this one. Um, what what was the line? I actually didn't check. Three it. and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking that. I think like like Indiana was a really fun story, and I think that it was a fun story that was kind of made possible by the pandemic. Um, you know, they just running through the wins last year. Like they start by beating Penn State. That Penn State team turned out to suck. Um, Rutgers is Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan did its Michigan thing in that one. Um, Michigan state new head coach, they sucked. Then they lost to Ohio state, lost to, uh, Ole Miss. Like there just wasn't, they, they're not for real. They're not for real. And they kind of were living off that hype a little bit. We saw week one and I'm not scared to pick against them at all. Yeah, I think this line is pretty misleading. Three and a half feels like a steal, honestly, for Cincinnati at this point. Mm-hmm. I was um, going to say, I'm I jumping just, all over that. I might even yeah. buy it up and see if I can get plus money at like six or seven. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I think there's a talent mismatch. I think it's a little bit of a, you know, experience and coaching mismatch too. Um, I don't, yeah. I mean, I think the line should be closer to double digits for Cincinnati personally. I know it's a home game for Indiana, but still. That's the one thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably the only thing impacting it. Uh, Let's talk Penn State versus Auburn, which potentially, I don't think either of these teams are really in contention to win their respective conferences, but it could be just a fun game. Uh, DraftKings doesn't currently have a line listed for this one, so there might be something wonky with some positions or 
some one of the teams getting hammered either way. How do you guys feel going into this one? Um, it's kind of an un- unknown. I mean, Auburn's only played Akron, and then they think they played an FCS team last week, um, both scoring 60-plus uh, points. So they kind of just took care of business. Uh, good for them. I, that's really all I have to say about Auburn at this point. They still have Bo Nix at quarterback. Um, I, I see a line on DraftKings. I think it's minus six for Penn State. Um, if you want to take Auburn as a dog with Bo Nix at quarterback, I mean, by all means, be my guest. I'm not going to be the one to do that. Um, I don't really believe in this Penn State team, but I believe in Bo Nix to turn the ball over and not look good in a big game setting. I might, I might do that Bo Nix thing. And oh, it's not because on, I think he's like a really good quarterback. I think that there's a a level of game that he is capable of going and winning. And I think that this Penn State team is honestly like bad enough. They haven't ranked 10th. They aren't that good. I think that this is one that he is capable of like going and winning and just ex- building enough hype for him to blow it later down the line without losing the job. Like he's going to have some good games. And I think that this is one where he's capable of. He's like, look, I mean, they, they still got Clifford at quarterback or Penn State. Auburn wins that quarterback matchup, right? Oof. I don't know, man. I'm not going to – I've seen <laughs> enough painful Bo Nicks that I know how bad it looks, and I just – when it's bad, it's bad. Um, the dude's I mean, a good State, athlete. He's just a roller coaster. Right. <laughs> uh, Penn State, I mean, they made Graham Mertz look really bad a couple weeks ago. I that think they're entirely capable of doing the same to Bo Nicks. Do you think Graham – you get one game. You want Graham Mertz or Bo Nicks? Oh, good Lord. I think I'd Graham take Mertz. Bo Nix just because he's an athlete, but I'm not excited about either. Uh-huh. I'd probably go full <laughs> Fangio in that situation and just take Mertz because I think Bo Nix would be, he puts you in an early grave with the kind of stress yeah. he would put on a coach. But UCLA-Fresno State, outside of that Alabama-Florida game, might be a game I'm most excited about because I want to see how legit is this UCLA team and also... I think Fresno State is a top 25 team. They're really, really impressive offensively. Jake Hayner is legit. I love Ronnie Rivers. I like Jalen Cropper that they've got at receiver. Their defense has looked good. I mean, they they obviously played really well against Oregon before Oregon went in and upset Ohio State. I'm probably going to be tempted to, to flirt with Fresno State on the money line here. I think they could potentially pull an upset even going on the road. Hmm. I still haven't watched Fresno State, um, which is interesting. I just think that uh, that UCLA running game is really good. And, you know, the line's at like 11, though. I, this is one that I'll probably just stay away from because I do think that UCLA comes back to earth. I just don't know when. I just don't know when. So I'm not touching this. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I'd maybe sprinkle a bit on the money line, but I don't think I'm touching this spread. Uh, Fresno State's still a bit of an un- unknown to me. I mean, they played well against Oregon, um, but they played Cal Poly last week and then uh, UConn in week zero. So uh, they took care of business against two bad football teams and they hung in there against Oregon. Um, I just don't know if I believe in them enough to pull off this upset of 11-point spread. And I don't definitely don't believe enough in UCLA to confidently say they can cover a double digit spread at this point. So it's just a stay away from me, but should be a good game. Um, I think this is a Pac-12 after dark game, right? So fun late night football. The thing I like about, yeah. Let's go. Get your caffeine ready. The thing I like about this Fresno State offense is they're 
they've got big play potential. They're the type like Hayner, he's not going to be reckless with the football, but he's got a big arm and he's not afraid to use it. And they've got a lot of speed on the outside. So I think it could be a situation where, you know, you connect on a couple of big plays and you get, maybe you go up early and you force UCLA to pass the ball a little bit, especially if you're able to stop the run, that's going to be a big factor in it. I think it's going to be competitive. I, I really do. I'm just excited to see how it plays out. And uh, the other thing I'll throw out there is the the Mountain West has done pretty good against the Pac-12 the last couple of years. Obviously not CSU versus CU, but San Diego State, Nevada, Fresno State, a lot of these schools, they traditionally hang pretty well against their California counterparts. So I'll, I'm just excited to watch it. Uh, ASU goes to BYU. Hank, you worried about Arizona State potentially getting upset? I mean, BYU's looked kind of mediocre pretty pretty early here. Yeah, I mean... They did beat Utah, and Utah is a good team. Um, th- uh, this is another one that I'm just going to stay away from. You know, I-, I think that this week for the Pac-12, there's I mean, there's two challenging games, and one of them is uh, I mean, they're, they're the, these two that we're talking about right now. And to me, this is another one where it's just like I don't know what to think of this BYU team. I didn't think they had a chance against Utah. Um, but then they went and they beat them. Uh, they weren't really able to run the ball, which is what you expect from Utah. But Utah kind of botched things on their own the other way. I don't know. I, I think the Arizona State is probably just too explosive for BYU. I think that there's too many big plays out there. Jaden Daniels hasn't done a lot with his arm, though, because they have been able to just run all over people with him kind of leading the way in that. Um, it's going to be a fun one. I do think it's going to be fun to watch. Um if I had to pick, I'd go Arizona State, but it's another it's another stay away. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I would my gut feeling, and I'd like to believe that Arizona, like you said, Hank, is just too explosive for BYU. Um, but BYU is just they're always just a consistently decent football team, you know. Um, Especially at home, of course. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough atmosphere to play in. Um, so I expect it to be a, a close game. Um, Again, I, I wouldn't really touch this with the money, um, but I Arizona State has to cover this game. They have to. I think you're spot on. If they want to be taken seriously at all, I mean, right now we've really hyped up Colorado. We've really hyped up Oregon and UCLA to an extent. We're still a little bit in show-me mode, I think, but this is a, a big test to see if they can be kind of in that top four, top five conversation in the league. And I think it's a, a big test for Jaden Daniels too. Just, you know, how can you go and, and compete in a tough atmosphere, hostile environment? It could help his draft stock if he has a big night. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but the last game I just kind of wanted to throw out is Nevada goes to Kansas State. They're two and a half point favorites at the moment. I'm all over Nevada in this game. I just, Kansas State's a tough environment and I do think they're going to play them hard. So it makes me a little bit nervous, but. I don't know. I just, I don't see them having the offensive firepower to keep up with this Nevada team, which can just throw points on the board so fastly. I mean, they're so deep at receiver. They've got a veteran running back and I love Carson strong. If you, if you listen to me on this podcast, you know, I love me some Carson strong, really looking forward to that game. Yeah. My thing though, Kansas state is just so good in the trenches and and that's how they just beat down Stanford a couple weeks ago. And you know, I thought at the time, like, maybe maybe I was wrong about Stanford. Maybe they really are just, just trending the wrong way. Like, this era of Stanford is coming to an end. But after watching Stanford go and play that style of football against USC, 
and be able to just beat them up in the trenches and blow them out. Um, whatever that was at 42, 28, something like that. I'm going Kansas state here. I think that it's just so easy to underrate how big and how strong they are. And now they've been doing this for a couple of years, building that way. I, I no, I think that's a good point, man. I, I, I think I'm, I'm all going, in on Kansas state and a lot of upset situations. Cause they're always just a pesky team and they play well at home. Just so I mean, strong it, physical. Yeah. Farm football. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's enough value here on either money line. And then two and a half is just too close for me to really kind of pick a side. Um, I would fair. like to believe that Nevada, Nevada could win this game just because like you said, Justin, they are going to be more explosive offensively. Um, they have the ability to just turn a game on one or two plays. Um, I just don't know if it, they've been consistent enough in that explosive uh, explosiveness, explosivity, whatever the word um, to pull that out. So yeah, stay away. I will say yeah. the over under is 49. If you parlayed Nevada money line with the over, that's plus 237, maybe a little bit more juice if you're if you want to be a wolf pack like backer. But I'm just throwing that out there. I think I think all of the reasoning that both of you threw out there is savvy. And I think everybody needs to take it into consideration. But I'm just riding with my boy. You know, Carson Strong's sure. my guy. I'm gonna probably bet on Nevada basically every week this season. I'm gonna Love win it. some, I'm gonna lose some, but I just like watching that team. And if Nevada does win this one then then I will be pretty bought in. Like if they're able to outstrong or, or beat, a, beat a team that should be able to outstrong them. Um, Carson Strong can outstrong them. Wow. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I mean, the fact they, they played Cal so close and this is just another level of that same Cal team. They're going to have to up their game. Tougher environment than Cal. Those Kansas State fans are passionate. Yep. K-State football matters. A whole lot as somebody with a lot of family out there and our proud K-State supporters, they're not going to like when I tell them uh, Nevada is going to come into their house and hand them that L. That's all we have for today. Thank you to everybody that continues to listen to our DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll be back next week. Dre will be back. I said last week that he would be back, but then we didn't really give him enough heads up in terms of prep mode. So we handled it this week. Uh, Don't want to toot our own horns, but I think we did pretty well. (laughs) Anyways, we'll be back next week. That's all we got.